sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. It's just not about the wall either. They need the technology and the manpower to respond to the wall. Sure. But you also need interior enforcement. You need ICE officers. Because if you're, if you're lucky enough to get by the Border Patrol, there needs to be an enforcement in the interior of the United States that's going to look for you and remove you once they find you. She says that after six, at first she wasn't sure. This was Kavanaugh when you first came to her last week. And then you write, after six days of carefully assessing her memories and consulting with her attorney, she did become confident that it was him. How do you begin to back up an accusation of something that took place 40 years ago? That's impossible. Why create a problem for yourself by firing? Right now, Rosenstein's on the defensive. You're on the offensive. People are actually, for the first time, looking a little bit maybe sympathetic. I think yesterday was the best day for uh, President Trump. I think this Rosenstein revelation certainly plays into the hands of the Giuliani strategy. And now, Stacey Washington. Welcome to the program. Thanks so much for being with us today. It is fantastic to be with you. Happy Monday. Guess what? We have Sandra McDowell, candidate for Missouri State Auditor. She'll be with us the last segment of the show. But right now, we are going to be talking more Kavanaugh. And it's important um, that we acknowledge and we push out the truth here because CNN and the other mainstream media outlets are not talking about the ordeal that the Kavanaugh wife and daughters are going through. They're not talking about how awful it is to have something leveled against you that you can't respond to for Brett Kavanaugh. This is someone who up until this point has had an exemplary career and been seen as an upstanding individual. Now you have people online saying, doesn't it disturb you that he's coached, uh, you know, little league and all that, that he's been around little girls. This is the kind of stuff people are saying about this man. Think about what he's going through. Think about any person who maybe didn't like him in his in his just regular everyday world are now considering these allegations and possibly thinking they're true and taking them at face value. You know how it is when people don't like you. It's one thing when they don't know you and they don't care about you. It's another thing when someone just, you know, for whatever reason, chemistry's off, they don't like you. And up until this point, they've had nothing against you that they could hold over you because, hey, you haven't done anything. But now you've got half of America calling you everything but a child of God. And you're, I mean, he's, he's having ramifications from this. I'm sure he's got an amazing community that's rallying around him, but it doesn't stop the, the mail from coming to their house. It doesn't stop the direct messages and, the, and, the, and the, the, all the online hatred that his wife is receiving. And it's wrong. It's a witch hunt. And the way to stop it is for Chuck Grassley to call a vote. The way to stop it is for him to just say, you know what, we're not going to have uh, any more consideration of these allegations. We're going to have this individual given the opportunity to be voted on. And these baseless allegations, we can't, we can't give in to this because the longer it goes on, the, the higher the chances. It, it, we're basically watching the preview of what happens next time. Unless the Republicans nominate a woman to fill the next vacancy, and it is coming. Another vacancy is coming. Unless they nominate a woman, and I I wouldn't put it past the Democrats to trot out transvestites and lesbians to say that they have been sexually assaulted or, you know, violated by any woman that's brought forward on the Republican side. Remember, 
deflection, accusing other people of what they're guilty of. This is the playbook. Freeze the target, demonize it, tear it down, execute the target in the court of public opinion. You don't need evidence for that. You just need people to say the same thing over and over and over again. That's how you get there. So counselor to the president, Kellyanne Conway, had a little bit of commentary about the Kavanaugh accusations. It's number four. Calling this a smear campaign. Indeed, this is starting to feel like a vast left-wing conspiracy. The New York Times says that they interviewed dozens, nor dozens of people over the last couple of weeks trying to verify this second accusation, and they couldn't go forward with the reporting. Not because they are supportive of President Trump's Supreme Court nominees, but because they have some standards. And they could not come forward. And in fact, the New York Times also reports that Ms. Ramirez was asking people if they remembered and telling them that she couldn't. So she couldn't remember. And that's in, in the piece. Again, deceptive headlines put it to a place where you don't have um, the ability of the individual who's listening to it, who's, do, who's, you know, who's doing, doing the, the reading of the story. If you're just doing the headlines, you think, wow, this is a bombshell. It's a breaking you know, story about something that's happened. When in reality, she says in the piece, well, the thing is, the Democrats were looking for people who knew him at, at Yale. And, and so I said I did because I did know him. But then they said, well, what do you remember about his sexual assaults? And then, you know, I had to really think. I'd been to a party where he was. I was drunk, um, you know, so I didn't remember everything. But I thought I remembered something. And after five days of thinking about it and consulting with a Democrat strategist and attorney, this is what I came up with. Immediately repudiated by people who know her well. Immediately repudiated by, by Judge Kavanaugh himself. You know it's bad when the guy breaks out his calendars from 1982. And I don't know why they didn't expect him to do that. I do not know why they didn't expect Judge Kavanaugh to have his calendars from 1982. I did. As soon as they said, well, in college, he blah, blah, blah. I thought to myself, yeah, he's that guy. He is that guy who keeps his calendars because I'm that person too. I have all the, ca- since I started keeping a common family calendar, I have them all. You, you try to throw it away and you're like, I just can't let this go. <laughs> and so it gets stored away with the calendars. <laughs> Not a shock. I know there's people all over the country right now. <laughs> We're in our own little crew. <laughs> we should have like a pin, like um, survivors of this or that will have a little, ribbon that they wear we should all have a ribbon if you keep calendars from decades ago you should have a little ribbon that you wear when we see each other in public we just give a nod and and you know a nod of respect yes i'm one of those people as well i mean (laughs) how much more can he do to prove he's innocent and to exonerate himself you know they just want to see him fly off the handle and lose his temper but he's not going to do it So here you have one of the article writers is Ronan Farrow, and he's made a name for himself exposing he was the one to break the Harvey Weinstein story. And so he has all this respect and credibility. But then on the same token, he partners up with this woman who wrote the book about Anita Hill. And we all know Anita Hill was thoroughly debunked. So please stop referring to her as someone who she's a standard bearer. She's the original. She's the original person who launched accusations against someone for political reasons and got tore down. That's who she is. So he wrote this article, this breaking article with this person who has that background 
And when he's asked about it, he said the new Kavanaugh accuser came forward because the Democrats came looking. Number six. She came forward because Senate Democrats began looking at this claim. She did not flag this for those Democrats. This came to her to the attention of people on the Hill independently. And it's really cornered her into an awkward position. That's why she took time to think about this carefully. You know, she said point blank, I don't want to ruin anyone's life. Uh, but she feels this is a serious claim. Um, you know, she considers her own memories credible. And she felt it was important that she tell her story before others did without her consent. So. Breaking news, Brett Kavanaugh and his wife, Ashley, I said her name was Amy, I apologize, Ashley Kavanaugh, Brett Kavanaugh and his wife, Ashley, are speaking out on the Supreme Court nomination controversy on Fox News tonight on, uh, let's see, is it Shannon Bream? Martha McCallum. They're going to be on The Story with Martha McCallum at 7 p.m. Eastern, and it's going to be a bombshell to watch them sit there together and to see their demeanor. And to look at his face. And I guarantee Martha McCallum's not going to softball this thing. The, the hard questions are going to be asked. And they're going to answer. And they have every right to do this. Because they need to clear their names. They have daughters. They have extended family. And the Kavanaugh's writ large deserve the opportunity to have their voice heard. Especially since this process is dragging out to the degree that it has. Thursday? Thursday, my foot. If you have an accusation you're launching against someone who's sitting on the Supreme Court, then clear your calendar and take yourself from California over to D.C. and make your accusation. Stand tall. There'd be no way I wouldn't stand up. If, if you're going to go so far as to consult with the Democrats and take a polygraph and do all the things that you say you've done, then when they say we want you to come in and testify, my response would have been what day is good for you? Because I have an accusation. It is with merit, and I want to stand before you and level my accusation, and then I want him to respond. That would be my attitude on it, unless I was doing it for politics. And then I would have to ask my Democrat overlords, how long do I need to delay? Will Thursday do? Tuesday? Wednesday? Tell me your bidding. Soul has been sold to the devil, and it's just whatever... Whatever is politically expedient, forget about the future. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that she's been told she's going to be taken care of quite handsomely. So, you know, don't worry about any of the rest of it. Just do what needs to be done now to protect abortion. So that's the breaking news. Uh, I, I'm, I'm really surprised that they didn't come out on Friday, but I guess with all of the allegations piling up, they feel like they have to do this especially in light of the fact that he wanted to testify the next day, Friday of last week. I mean, he's been ready. He's been ready. Monday, he was ready to do it on today. He could have done it. Um, we'll just have to see where it goes from there. So he's already issued a statement saying he will not be intimidated. And the White House has issued a statement um, that they're going, that they support Brett Kavanaugh and that he's a good man. Um, and that, that the president also has said he supports him. I want to read you the letter that Judge Brett Kavanaugh mailed to Senator Charles Grassley and Senator Dianne Feinstein. And this is important. It's dated today. It's to the two of them because Chairman Grassley chairs the committee and she's the ranking member. And here's what Judge Brett Kavanaugh mailed to them. It says, when I, dear Chairman Grassley and Ranking Member Feinstein, when I testified in front of the Senate three weeks ago, 
I explained my belief that fair process is foundational to justice in our democracy. At that time, I sat before the Senate Judiciary Committee for more than 31 hours and answered questions under oath. I then answered more questions at a confidential session. The following week, I responded to more than 1,200 written questions, more than have been submitted to all previous Supreme Court nominees combined. So every other Supreme Court nominee took all of their questions, add them together, and Brett Kavanaugh answered more questions than all of them did. When he's seated, he will be the most thoroughly vetted Supreme Court justice in the history of this country. Only after that exhaustive process was complete did I learn through the news media about a 36-year-old allegation from a high school that had been asserted months earlier and withheld from me throughout the hearing process. First, it was an anonymous allegation that I categorically and unequivocally denied. Soon after the accuser was identified, I repeated my denial on the record and made clear that I wished to appear before the committee. I then repeated my denial to committee investigators under criminal penalties for false statements. All of the witnesses identified by Dr. Ford as being present at the party she describes are on the record to the committee saying they have no recollection of any such party happening. I asked to testify before the committee again under oath as soon as possible so that both Dr. Ford and I could both be heard. I thank Chairman Grassley for scheduling that hearing for Thursday. Last night, another false and uncorroborated accusation from 35 years ago was published. Once again, those alleged to have been witnesses to the event denied that it ever happened. There is now a frenzy to come up with something, anything that will block this process and a vote on my confirmation from occurring. These are smears, pure and simple, and they debase our public discourse. But they are also a threat to any man or woman who wishes to serve our country. Such grotesque and obvious character assassination, if allowed to succeed, will dissuade competent and good people of all political persuasions from service. As I told the committee during my hearing, a federal judge must be independent, not swayed by public or political pressure. That is the kind of judge I will always be. I will not be intimidated into withdrawing from this process. The coordinated effort to destroy my good name will not drive me out. The vile threats of violence against my family will not drive me out. The last-minute character assassination will not succeed. I have devoted my career to serving the public and the cause of justice and particularly to promoting the equality and dignity of women. Women from every phase of my life have come forward to attest to my character. I am grateful to them. I owe it to them and to my family to defend my integrity and my name. I look forward to answering questions from the Senate on Thursday. Sincerely, Brett M. Kavanaugh. I ask you, are those the words of a man who's a sexual predator? or the words of a man who stands ready to serve on the Supreme Court of the United States. It's time for a vote. We'll be back with more after this. Good news. You are not stuck with your health care plan. Really, you have a choice, and it's a great one. It's called MediShare, and if you've heard about it and wondered what exactly it is, it's a way that people share their health care bills, and these are people who have a common faith, who want to be part of something beautiful that not only meets their health care needs, but the needs of others, too. And it's people who love to save money, big time. MediShare members typically save $500 a month per family on their health care costs. That is a life changer for people. So this could be for you. Maybe it's what you've been looking for, a way to pay healthcare bills that's not only very smart financially, but it's even profound. MediShare is a nonprofit with 400,000 members nationwide who pray for and share with each other. So yes, you're not stuck. There's another way, and it could save you a lot. 
It's star star 345 to find out how much you can save on your health care. Message and data rates may apply. That's star star 345. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. You know, whenever you are having a debate or discussion, it is essential that you define your terms. This is especially true in any discussion about socialism. Actor Jim Carrey recently said he was tired of hearing talk show commentators say that socialism is a failure. He concluded that we have to say yes to socialism, to the word, and everything. Anders Hegstrom, in one of his videos, asked, what does socialism mean to him? He says that conversations about socialism often go like this. A liberal says we should be socialist. A conservative points to Venezuela and says socialism doesn't work. A liberal says, what about Sweden and Norway? The conservative then points out that those countries aren't actually socialist. Even if we accept the comment by liberals, there's a problem. Nordic countries have tiny populations of less than 10 million, and copying and pasting their policies to a country of 330 million isn't going to work. These Nordic countries were successful before they adopted the redistributive policies they have now. There's a more important point. Andrews Hegstrom reminds us that the policies of true socialists like Senator Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez go far beyond what the Nordic countries have. For example, Bernie Sanders wants a planned economy. None of the Nordic states have this. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez wants to abolish profit. None of the Nordic countries have done that. And both of them want a universal minimum wage. None of the Nordic states have that. Are there any socialist countries that have those policies? Yes, those would be the countries of Venezuela, Cuba, and the former Soviet Union. Those are the countries conservatives often point to as why we don't want socialism. Remember this in your next discussion about socialism. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. From Universal 1440, Unbroken, Path to Redemption, the rest of World War II hero Louis Zamperini's true story. Now playing rated PG-13. You can download episodes of Stacy on the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. That story has taken such a turn. I'm, look. I've been doing this for 34 years. As you know, I started in the Border Patrol. Every place they have put a wall up or a barrier, it has worked. 100% of the time. Not some of the time. Every time they put a barrier up, illegal crossings have dropped. Why would we not want the wall? But the far-left media is pushing a false story to the American people. That irritates me even more because those people are putting their political ambitions ahead of their job, which is to protect the sovereignty of this country and protect our border. They know it works. So it's, you know, I've been out there, you know, I, I, I get frustrated with the Democrats because none of them want the wall, right? They all want, they all want sanctuary c- cities to keep illegal aliens in, mm-hmm. but they don't want a wall to keep them out, which I think is completely backwards. But these people have taken an oath to defend this nation, and they're supposed to be working for their constituency. The yep. wall is proven to work. They should support it and put their political ambitions aside. Stop worrying about November and do the right thing for this country. You see? Welcome back to the program. StacyOnTheRight.com, AFR.net, UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Thanks for uh, visiting our sites and uh, and for all the communications. We appreciate uh, your ears. Thank you for being here today. Uh, I'm uh, this is former interim director, uh, former former interim ICE director, Immigration and Customs Enforcement director Tom Homan, telling the GOP to forget about n- November and do the right thing by building the border wall. You know, it just it takes people with that kind of wherewithal to get anything done. Uh, I just saw breaking news. The president has signed a free trade gra- free trade agreement with South Korea, which puts more pressure on China. 
thank God we have Donald Trump negotiating these business deals now instead of politicians who won't even consult with business leaders in order to find out if what they're proposing or signing on to makes any sense for um, for the American people, for businesses in America, for our intellectual property and for our interest in maintaining a hegemony going forward into the future. Right. I mean, it's not just about, hey, we're we want to keep to ourselves and do what's best for us. What's best for us is for us to be in charge all over the place. That's what's best. I know that's something that triggers leftists that just can't stand to have anybody say that one culture is superior to another, but nobody is killing themselves to immigrate into the continent of Africa or into any Islamic countries. No one's killing themselves, literally walking hundreds of thousands of miles and, uh, you know, paying to have themselves trafficked into Iran. It's because their culture is not as good. Sorry, it's just not. Their society isn't as good. Their country's not well run. It's not profitable. It's, it, there's no prosperity there. There aren't opportunities there. That's why people are trying to get in here. So it's better if we're in charge. Well, while we're in charge, we should probably try to get our own house in order. And we have a lot of work to do in that, in that arena. And here's just one example of how a few people, and you know how this is, how many, take, how many people does it take to ruin a party or a gathering? How many people at a meeting, let's say you're having a business meeting and you guys are all, you know, everyone's gathered around the conference table. How many people in that meeting does it take to basically derail the whole thing? People not observing meeting norms, coming in with food or, you know, coming in with uh, things that don't have anything to do with the meeting. The one person who always brings up a subject that has zero to do with the meeting and they try to just hijack the meeting to talk about that subject when the agenda for the meeting they're attending has zero to do with that. That's what we have going on in Washington, D.C. We have a bunch of people hijacking the agenda, which the agenda is there was an election two years ago and one party lost and the other one won. So, yes, it is appropriate for Congress to say, we're not, I'm not voting for that legislation. That's not something I want. It is not appropriate to say, I don't want you to take over the Supreme Court, so I'm not going to allow the nomination to go forward. You see the difference there? We have a real problem with people in Washington, D.C. saying this is basically a, an, a banner they're hanging out that says we don't accept the results of the last election. And that's a problem. So here's an example of, you know, it just takes a few people to ruin something, a party, a meeting, you know, even something as simple as just going through line at the grocery store. Have you ever been behind someone at the line at the grocery store and that person is getting out a paper check to pay, which there's nothing wrong with that. But then they start writing in what looks like calligraphy, carefully looping every, and then they have to ask a whole bunch of questions, then draw through a whole bunch of stuff on the check and correct everything, the address, the phone number. And so this is turning into an ordeal. You're just wishing they would get a debit card out and just swipe it. You're like, oh, don't you have a debit card? And that person just keeps going slower and slower. And this isn't about the person being older. I've seen older people whip out a checkbook and pay lickety split. So it's not about the age. It's about the person basically hijacking the process of paying for their food so that everyone behind them has to pay attention to them. And it's just basically everyone stop what you're doing. I'm over here doing something. And that's what we have in this community. So you got it's in Locust Park which is in Blount County. And these spectators actually went so far as to have shirts printed up that say, we believe, and they wore them, green shirts that say, we believe. They wore these shirts 
because the school board decided that they're no longer allowed to have a pre-game prayer over the loudspeaker at the football game. So the shirts read, we believe on the front and on the back, the Lord's prayer as taken from Matthew 6. The prayer over the loudspeaker was replaced by a moment of silence. Now remember, a moment of silence is usually what you do to commemorate the death of someone that you want to honor. So they took away their ability to pray over the loudspeaker and said, you know what, you can just have a moment of silence. Knowing good and well, probably those school board members don't even attend the games. And then you've got the crowd responding by saying, we're going to say the Lord's Prayer during the moment of silence. So the, the crowd recited the Lord's Prayer during the moment of silence. So Greg Armstrong said it was a moving moment. I've never been more proud to be from Blount County, he said in an interview with AL.com. Armstrong is the Blount County Revenue Commissioner and the Minister of Music at Locust Park, ba- Locust Fork Baptist Church. Five area churches, including Locust Fork Baptist Church, Grace Community Baptist Church, Turning Point United Methodist, Pine Bluff Baptist Church, and Edgewood Baptist Church paid for 1,000 shirts to be printed and distributed to the public for free. Church staff gave out all 1,000 shirts in about an hour on Friday afternoon. There were about three or 400 people who didn't get a shirt that wanted one. More shirts in each of Blount County Schools' colors have been ordered and will be sold afterwards for $5 each. Area businesses have also started making similar shirts, including Amanda Moore, who owns Monogramming Manda. Soon after the school board announced their decision, she started getting requests for shirts with the Lord's Prayer from several Hayden area residents. She then designed a shirt with the Hayden High School logo on the front pocket and the Lord's Prayer shaped like a cross on the back. She said, I'll sell them until people stop asking for them. She's gotten requests for shirts with other schools' logos and says she's trying to keep up with the demand. The reason for all of this, the Freedom From Religion Foundation, the Freedom From Religion jihadists sent a complaint or encouraging the school to end the practice of pregame prayer over the loudspeaker, which then the school caved into. Roy Moore even held a press conference about bringing prayer back to schools on Friday. Moore said that if students free of influence from school officials wish to pray over a loudspeaker before games, the law permits it. Armstrong said Blount County residents plan to keep reciting the Lord's Prayer at future games. And Blount County, when it comes to that time for the moment of silence, we plan every week to do this. I hope what we did was not for show. I hope what we did will honor the Lord. It's been a tradition to voice prayer over the microphone, but sometimes new traditions are made and are bigger and greater than in the past. Only takes a few people to ruin a party or in this case, a football game for everyone else. And remember a person. So let's say you're there and they don't have prayer and you are a Christian and you believe in God and you do want to have prayer. You just pray silently to yourself. You could even gather a couple people around and hold their hand and maybe say a little prayer to yourself. But if the tradition is that they say a prayer over the loudspeaker and you're there and you don't enjoy prayer, why do you have to stop them from having the fun that they've been having? Why do you have to be the curmudgeon and the stick in the mud to stop them from doing something that it wasn't hurting anybody? Praying doesn't actually cause anyone to burst into flames or to experience pain and suffering or even to harm any parts of their physical body. It's not damaging psychologically. And being nearby, it doesn't harm you because as soon as it's over, you're not feeling anything more beyond what you just heard. You just heard something. It's fine. 
this is the problem that we have. We have too many people who want to ruin the party for everyone else running around doing stuff like what they did, which some it's one person, one or two people who've been going to the games. They don't like the prayer. They call the freedom from religion foundation. And they thought they'd won something. Now it's going to be kind of hard to stop because in order for the school board to stop people from reciting the Lord's prayer, which they're doing spontaneously, what, what, what they're going to do, send the police in. What police officer do you know that's going to go in and start arresting people for praying? Not, mm -mm, no, not in America. No, it's not going to happen. So they, what they did was they tried to ruin the party and they made it worse for themselves because now instead of hearing one person praying, now they've got the Lord's Prayer, which is probably significantly longer than the original prayer that they were doing. And it's said by multitude of voices, which is something they're going to hear ringing in their ears all evening. Sorry, but they are. And that's happening every week. And so the school board can't do anything about it. I like it. This is how you respond. It's not about beating that person up or fighting them and telling them off. It's not about confronting them on social media. It's about saying, we're not going to be silenced. We're not going to let you come into our area and ruin our fun. Part of our fun is praying. And so that's what we're going to do. So at this point, I think they did the right thing and they, and they got the job done, which is, it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. So now we already, I had actually mentioned that we're having Sandra McDowell and we have invited her, um, her opponent to come on the program as well. Um, it's Nicole Galloway. We've reached out. We've sent some emails requesting that she come on as well. When Sandra McDowell comes on, she's running for the statewide position of auditor in the state of Missouri. And we're going to be talking about some of the things that the auditor does and what's so awesome about this is most states have this position, auditor, and most states have the, the position of auditor doing some really, really uh, good functions, functions that, you know, you, we can't do without. And so what we want to do is have her on and talk, um, talk about, you know, what's going on in the state, what's going on with the race and what those functions are and why they're so important. And then people can kind of check in your own state to see, do you have the same kind of thing going on for the midterms? Is your auditor up for election? What's happening? Um, so, yeah, we will we'll definitely have her on next hour. And then as far as the rest of it, um, we actually... I wanted to discuss a little bit because there have been so many things that have been going on today, namely that President Trump and President Moon Jae-in participated in a chorus trade treaty signing. And this is really, really good news. Um, they had the signing ceremony where they actually signed the document. And I, if I'm understanding it correctly, what I saw was that the president of South Korea actually brought a message from the president of North Korea to President Trump. He brought that and they were... Uh, he brought that so that, that basically to pass, to continue the relationship building that's been going on. Um, and so then I'll also at the United Nations today, um, Sarah, Sarah Huckabee Sanders was there with the president and the president spoke on the issue of illicit drug supply and global distribution of drugs. There was also a big uh, kind of a round table among many different nations who were wanting to do something about the problem of illicit drugs. And so that happened today as well. And there's also a number of messages that the president has put out uh, 
about Brett Kavanaugh. He says it's totally political. He also put out a message on uh, the the wages in this country going up. And if you remember, we had an interview with uh, an economics writer from one of the major national newspapers, and she came on to talk about how wages were stagnant. Apparently, that trend has now been changed, and wages are not stagnant anymore. They're they're increasing. And so Americans, for the first time in decades, are experiencing higher wages. And couple that with what's going on in the economy, and it's really great news. I'm talking about great news for families, great news for people who really wanted maybe to do something more, have dreams of other things going on in their family with its education, what have you. And they're now able to operate within that. And the reason that they're doing that is because their wages are higher. Uh, so that's a blessing. And I'm, I'm just so excited to see what else could happen with the economy. And it's not that the economy is the only thing, but man, is it nice to see, especially communities that have been disadvantaged, whether it's the manufacturing communities, the steel communities, communities in the inner city where people are now employed at a higher rate and working and able to, uh, you know, do some things that are a part of the American dream. Um, even in communities that have traditionally been more affluent, seeing those communities having stable outcomes and opportunities for growth and expansion, all of it is fantastic. And we really need that, um, you know, in, in our economic outlook. We need that. And so it's great to see. And so I've checked in a few times today, um, a few times today on the different things that are going on with the Kavanaugh vote because there's so much breaking news. And I want to also talk a little bit about Dallas officer Amber Geiger being terminated over the Botham Jean killing. This is pretty interesting. Um, so first of all, Mitch McConnell actually was on the Senate floor just a short bit ago. I mean, literally just, just a bit ago saying he wanted to make it perfectly clear. Kavanaugh will receive a vote. So protesters. So what any, you know, so what he's going to get a vote. That's what they're, that's what's being said here. So Senator Mitch McConnell delivered a long and blistering set of remarks regarding the Kavanaugh nomination on Monday. He called the Democrats out for their choreographed smear campaign. And he said both, before this week is out, both Judge Kavanaugh and Dr. Ford will testify under oath before the committee. Chairman Grassley has made sure the facts will be heard. The, the American people deserve nothing less, as well as Judge Kavanaugh. The quote from Leader McConnell is, I want to make it perfectly clear. Judge Kavanaugh will be voted on here on the Senate floor, up, down, on the Senate floor. This fine nominee this, to the Supreme Court will receive a vote in the Senate in the near future. Hear, hear. Good things. All right, we'll be back with our next guest right after this. Stay there. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. Planned Parenthood has embarked on a media campaign that hasn't been this aggressive since their Who Decides messaging. Now their company line is selling abortion as health care, and their new president fits that perfectly. Lena Wen is a former emergency room physician and Baltimore's health commissioner, and she didn't waste any time promoting the corporate slogan. During an appearance on The View, Wen was asked about the high number of abortions Planned Parenthood performs. Her response avoided addressing the issues, and she said, healthcare shouldn't be political. Notice she avoids the A word, simply calling abortion healthcare. Well, abortion isn't healthcare. 
It's the intentional killing of innocent babies in the womb. For more information, visit our website at lifeissues.org. And stay informed, more informed than you've ever been. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. Innocent until proven guilty. Those words represent the core of America's Anglo-Saxon criminal justice system. Those words mean that an enemy or angry neighbor cannot accuse you of a crime and have you hauled off based upon their word alone. There must be enough probable cause present to warrant an investigation by an impartial body. If warranted, charges can be made and the defendant gets to examine all evidence gathered against them. At that point, free legal representation will be provided by the state to ensure that no one has to defend himself or herself alone. Then a jury of one's peers considers the accusations brought by the state and the defense's response. A unanimous vote is required to convict. We must not throw out this system to replace it with the one being foisted upon Judge Kavanaugh. He is forced to prove his innocence without due process in the court of public opinion. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com. I'm Chad Pergram with the Speaker's Lobby. No one likes to talk politics amid natural disasters. But like it or not, no firewall exists between politics and natural disasters, such as the case with Hurricane Florence. It's too early to assess the damage from the storm, but lawmakers are already discussing the need for a supplemental spending bill to pay for the cleanup. Congress cleaves federal spending into 12 uneven pieces each year. Each of the 12 slices represent an appropriations bill funding one section of government. However, when disaster strikes, Congress often crafts a 13th appropriations bill, a supplemental measure, or a SUP, as it's referred to in Congressese. Supplemental measures can cover hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, flooding, you name it. Sometimes the measures cost just a few billion dollars, but they frequently rocket instead into the tens, if not hundreds of billions of dollars. In fact, many Republicans who voted against a bill to clean up in the Northeast after Superstorm Sandy a few years ago would be loath to oppose an additional bill this time to help the Carolinas. With the Speaker's Lobby, Chad Pergram, Fox News. This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's my pleasure to welcome our next guest. We have Sandra McDowell, candidate for Missouri State Auditor. Sandra, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Stacey. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Hey, I'm excited to talk to you because so I was, you know, full disclosure, I was a moderator for a um, it was like a kind of like a panel, if you will. Um, You guys when this was during the primary and you and the other candidates were taking turns answering questions that I'd compiled about the job and what you would do in the position, et cetera, et cetera. And I found you to be very knowledgeable. And I think one of the the primary reasons I wanted to have you on the program today is to kind of talk about what the auditor does. This is a nationwide audience and people are having these same kinds of races run in their own states. And I think people, you hear auditor and you just think about the financials, but there's a lot more to it. Sure, there is. Um, The auditor's office is responsible for auditing uh, all state agencies, elected officials, uh, boards, commissions, all counties in Missouri that do not have their own county auditor, which are usually the third-class counties, and then anything um, by the governor's request, uh, court system. Uh, so there's a lot under the auditor's jurisdiction, and it's not just the the money, but it's also their policies and their procedures to make sure that they're that they're using 
your office efficiently and effectively. So let's talk about that. Efficiently and effectively. Now you outlined some plans and they sounded pretty aggressive, but I was all in favor of basically increasing the number of audits that are done on a yearly basis. How, how does that serve taxpayers if there are more audits that are completed? Well, so essentially the auditor's office really is to limit government. And that's one reason why it's good to have a Republican in that office, because as a Republican, our values are limited government. And the auditor's office, the more jurisdiction they have, I believe, the more limited our government is is and the more efficient and effective it works for us. And so making sure through conducting audits, making sure that those offices are run efficiently and effectively is going to save taxpayer money. It's going to make the government work better on behalf of Missourians, which I think everybody can get on board with that. Hmm. I I would think so. Um, so what are some of the things that you that when you were running, you talked about there's this, I guess it's Missouri first or something like that. And it's something that's being put forward here in the state of Missouri that uh, the oppo- the opponent would, I guess, take over if she were to remain in the position. Missouri first. What is that? What What's that all about? So the initiative is actually titled Clean Missouri. And what it does, it does a lot of things. And uh, it, it restricts lobbyist gifts. It gives a time window on how long a politician has to wait to become a lobbyist. And we already have some of these in place. I mean, currently, there is a time period in place. It's just making it a longer time. And then there's more campaign contribution limits, which, again, we already have in place, and they're just putting more. Uh, and then at the end of Clean Missouri, it gives redistricting power to the state auditor's office. And this is the, is the purpose of the Clean Missouri Initiative. And so that alone, I mean, we can look at the funding behind Clean Missouri. It comes from George Soros. It comes from Planned Parenthood. It comes from uh, NAACP. It comes from all these huge Democrat uh, uh, people or, or um, companies. And, and the reason why is because the only statewide office that still holds, has a Democrat holding that seat is the state auditor's office. And so their plan is to keep that to keep her in office and then give her, in essence, redistricting power because the, the auditor would be the one that would be choosing the demographer that would be redistricting our state. And so, again, the plan is for Democrats to have that power over the next four years and be able to redistrict our state in a way that would benefit them in order to give to be a, for, for more Democrats to be in office. So, again a situation where instead of winning at the ballot box, people are attempting to jerry-rig the system to create the result that's desired. Because Missouri is a, a it's a, we have had divided government a lot. We've had Democrat governor for, for just decades, really, um, until just recently when we had a Republican. But it, the government here has been, we have one Republican senator, we have one Democrat. We have had, usually we have a few more elected Democrats statewide. Right now there's only one, and that's the Trump coattails in action when, uh, you know, voters in Missouri decided they were tired of the other party and they're giving the Republicans a try to do something with government. So going forward, looking at what, so let's say we're past the election, you're in office. What are the first things that you're wanting to do if you're elected? Well, and I, I, um, I'm a Christian, and so this kind of statement comes kind of from that. But really, I want to shine a bright light in all of the areas of, of government that have really been shrouded in darkness. There's a lot of places, state agencies, funds 
that uh, that have not been audited or in a in a in the recent past or have never been audited before. And so I believe that anywhere taxpayer funds go, the auditor's office should have jurisdiction over that to look into it. And so I'm going to be looking at all of the audits that have been conducted uh, under the la- uh, the last three years under our current auditor because I have seen, and one of the main reasons I ran for this is because I've seen uh, her audits have. Um, have been, uh, well, she's been behind an audit. She hasn't been conducting them. Um, she hasn't been following up on audits that had received a fair or a poor rating in the past. Um, in, in the previous, with the previous auditors, if an audit was, was so sorry, um, if, if, a, if a previous audit um, had been conducted and they, and they received a poor or a fair rating, then there'd be a follow-up audit in six months to a year. Well, some of those audits have, have not happened for three years or longer. And then there are some counties that went um, four-plus years without being audited under our current auditor. But before she was in office, those counties had been audited every two years consistently. And, and we see in those counties that when there was a lapse in the amount of time an audit happened, fraud occurred. So in one county, $60,000 went out that was stolen. In another county, $40,000 went out. And this was because there had not been an audit conducted by our state auditor in, you know, over four or five years. Um, and so that's what I saw consistently with our current auditor's administration and her lack of audits. And so I want to go back and look at the audits that she has conducted, prioritize the audits that have not been conducted or need follow-ups and get those going and then start looking into the other areas that have never been audited before that really need to be looked in by the auditor's office as well. That's pretty ambitious. So I'm, I'm excited about uh, the, the possibilities. And, and obviously, I, I've asked for Nicole Galloway to come on the program so I can ask her some of the same questions. And we hope that she'll respond. Um, so far, we haven't heard back, but we've definitely will keep querying her office for her campaign to see if she'll come on and join us and talk as well. Um, Sandra, it was a pleasure to meet you a few weeks ago. Good luck with everything. Candidate for Missouri State Auditor, thank you for joining the program today. Thank you, Stacey. I really appreciate it. All right. Talk to you again soon. Uh, we, we, I love having the candidates come on and talk a little bit about why they're running and et cetera. And uh, again, if there's anyone in the listening audience who has a direct line to um, her opponent, to Sandra's opponent, Nicole Galloway, we would definitely love to have her on and have a friendly conversation as well, as well as Claire McCaskill. We've had Josh Hawley on the program. Um, I'm thinking we may have him on one more time um, just to just to chat and, uh, you know, in, enjoy conversation. And um, but at this point, yeah, we're going to open up the call lines. If you'd love to chat about anything that's going on today, especially the Kavanaugh issues, um, the issue with the, the story with the, the school um, and the rules about hair, only being able to wear your real hair and that it has to be a natural color and for boys that it has to be short. Um, love to talk to you about that. The call lines are open at 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. Love to chat with you. Um, and so there's a list of nine nominations that have been sent to the Senate. Um, they're ranking everywhere from ambassador to the organization for economic cooperation and development. Um, a ton of those nominations have been sent over. B. Mal Patel of Georgia to be the assistant secretary of the treasury. 
um, because Vice Christopher Campbell, Christopher Campbell resigned from that position. Um, Susan N. Stevenson to be the ambassador extraordinary and plenipotentiary of the United States to the Republic of Equatorial Guinea, Guinea, Equatorial Guinea. Um, and so a bunch of these nominations go over at least once a week. They have these nominations that are sent to the Senate for voting. And so it, I'm, I'm just really I'm uplifted by the fact that the president and the head of the Senate and Mitch McConnell have all said that this is we're, there's going to be an up or down vote. It has to happen. Meanwhile, I saw reports that the Republicans actually are polling higher because of what's going on with Christine Blasey Ford and uh, Ramirez and these other people who are making these false app- uh, accusations. If you think about it, there, there used to be a time in this country where if you made openly false and spurious accusations against someone in the public eye, that your career would be destroyed, that you would literally not be able to go forward. It's kind of amazing that, uh, that we've stepped so far away from that that the sense of honor and the sense of being able to do what's right have been so impugned that people now I I've even had some people email me saying, you know, how dare you, et cetera, et cetera. And I just think, um, how dare I not? I, how, how could I not say something? So I want to, I want to quickly run through this. It's, Dallas officer Amber Geiger has been terminated over the Botham Jean killing. It says she was fired today after an internal investigation found that she had engaged, quote, engaged in adverse conduct, end quote, in shooting Botham Jean, a black man who was killed in his own apartment because she thought it was hers. The statement released by the Dallas police says Dallas police chief U. Renee Hall terminated police officer Amber Geiger, number 10702, during a hearing held September 24th, 2018, an internal affairs investigation concluded that on September 9th of 2018, Officer Geiger, her number again, engaged in adverse conduct when she was arrested for manslaughter. Officer Geiger was terminated for her actions. She was hired in November of 2013 and was then assigned to the Southeast Patrol Division. Under civil service rules, Officer Geiger has the right to appeal her discipline. They are not answering any additional questions uh, about exactly what their terminology means engage in adverse conduct. So I guess we'll have to wait and see if anyone's willing to leak or share what that's all about. Also, you might've seen last week that James O'Keefe is back at it again with his undercover videos of justice department employees. Now, one of the women who was on the button cam was talking about how she couldn't be fired and she does this and she does that and she does whatever she wants Well, she no longer works at the Justice Department. Hraber was a paralegal, a career paralegal, caught on a Project Veritas video sting called the Deep State. She uh, was terminated as of midnight last night. She, She was one of the ones saying that, um, you know, that, that they're working and using government resources to fight Donald Trump. I mean, I'm, I'm really shocked because we were just, just like not even an hour ago talking about accountability and how people aren't being held accountable. 
And now here's someone being held accountable for admitting that she was doing things wrong. Deep State Unmasked uh, talks about the efforts to resist certain aspects of the Trump administration. And a DOJ spokesperson said these allegations are deeply concerning. Deeply concerning. The department policy prohibits misuse of government resources to advance personal interests. Wow. They say they are looking into this immediately and have referred the matter to the inspector general as well. She was one of the ones who was on camera. And the quote from her was a lot of talk at work about how like we can resist from the inside. She explained that in one instance, a worker intentionally slowed down the process of taking food staff recipients off the program so they could continue to receive benefits. Wow. Graber is a member of the Washington, D.C. chapter of Democratic Socialists of America. And she was caught protesting DHS Secretary Kirsten Nielsen over family separations. Wow. She's gone, guys. She's gone. I mean, accountability. Wow. Other news, uh, kind of um, just talking about other political news. 40% of Americans say their senator's decision on Kavanaugh will not impact their vote. 40%. Wow. All right, that's the show for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a fantastic evening. God bless you. I'm signing off from the heartland. I'll be back with you tomorrow. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of Urban Family Talk, Urban Family Communications, or American Family Association.